for all nations. And we see this from the prophet Isaiah. And it says here, the sons of the foreigner who join themselves to the Lord to serve him and to love the name of the Lord, to be his servants, everyone who keeps from defiling the Sabbath and holds fast my covenant, even them I will bring to my holy mountain and make them the foreigner and make them joyful in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and their sacrifices will be accepted on my altar for my house shall be called a house of prayer for all nations. God tags his house. He, he, he puts a plaque over his house and names his house a house of prayer for all nations. Carol and I built our home over 20 years ago in Glenmore Park with a builder, and the builder who built our home had a name. They named our home. Uh, it was called uh, Casa de Santa Fe, which uh, in Spanish uh, means house of faith. And so uh, the, the builder built it, and that was the name they had given that house. And we wanted, we were happy with that because it's not just the Haynes house. It's a house of faith. And if you come in our, come up to our porch, there it is. It's tagged. The builder named the house. Well, in a, in a similar way, the Lord has put a name on his house. My house shall be called a house of prayer for all nations. The Good News Bible says my temple will be called a house of prayer for the people of all nations. This Hebrew word for prayer, tefillah in the Hebrew, means intercession. We know that Jesus interceded for us on the cross. Intercession, it means supplication. My house shall be called a house of supplications for the nations. This will be what my house is called. And God himself has given this name to his house. His house is a place of supplication for every nation. You could easily call his house Imaginations. You wouldn't be far off the mark. Vietnam is a nation. My house shall be called a house of prayer for the people of Vietnam. As Mitch just shared, Vietnam is one of 20 nations, one of 30 projects where we are supplicating and supplementing and supplying the message of Jesus and the mercies of Jesus. We have funded over 80 
heart surgeries for children in Vietnam at $2,000 a surgery. That's $160,000 for 80 boys and girls to have life to their families. And it's a small part of the overall work we are doing throughout all of Vietnam. We just had a team return from Vietnam. Stewie, would you come here, please? Just come around and take a microphone. <laughs> give, give Stewie some love. Stewie, you led this team that was just in Vietnam. It's yeah. a good team. It was a good team. Yeah. And it's Tuesday, when you were sharing in staff devotion, you, you, you shared a story about you in a room and sitting on a couch. And I want you to tell that story. And I want you to, you know, you don't have to rush it because I can preach as long as I want. I'm the pastor. <laughs> so share that story. Uh, well, I was going to wait because I'm preaching next Sunday. Yeah, but I'm stealing your thunder right now. <laughs> so uh, I knew that. It's next Sunday night, so I'm going to share it then too, but um, I'm already a bit teary. Um, what a fantastic team that we had, and there was 10 of us there, so it wasn't just Veronica and myself. Um, but uh, the first day we actually did started to do uh, the stuff that we were doing was uh, we, were, we had a lunch for 20 of the kids um, who had had heart operations and their families. And um, it was kind of a cool lunch we had with them. We just had fun, we played some games. Um, but uh, one of the first uh, parents that came in was a dad. And uh, I don't speak very good Vietnamese. Uh, he didn't speak very good English. Uh, and so uh, I said hello to him in Vietnamese, uh, Zing Chao. And he said hello in English back to me. And then we just uh, were using my translator back and forward and his uh, little daughter was eight and uh, she could speak quite good English, so she was helping us have a really disjointed conversation. It didn't really go anywhere. Uh, I think he was sort of wondering, who am I and why am I there? Um, and we're just sitting on the, on the lounge together because he was one of the first ones. I got him a drink, we had a drink together, and, um, and then the, uh, Dion from, the, uh, from um, the, the organization we work with, he's Vietnamese, he got up and he started explaining what we're gonna do today we're going to have some fun, have some games, have some food. And then he, I, I, I can't understand what he's saying. But then I realised when the guy nearly sits on my lap, uh, he sits on the edge of the lounge. He gets his, photo, his camera and he takes a photo of us together with his arm around me. And then he gets his daughter to stand in front of me and gets me to stand up with my hands on her shoulders and takes a photo of us together. I thought, oh, he thinks I'm the guy that's paid for the operation. He thinks I'm that guy, but it was us. And I'm there representing you, but he thinks that. And I'm trying to say, no, no, it's not just me. And I'm trying to explain that, but it didn't care to him, it didn't matter. And what he said was, she had a hole in her heart. And our whole conversation gets animated then, as we're sitting there, said she had a hole in her heart. And uh, he said, I got told she wouldn't live to 15. And I realized, and this is disjointed in the conversation, we're going back and forward, I realised that I didn't have enough time to earn that much money to pay for her life. It rocked me. It rocked me. Wow. But we did that. 
We did it. Yeah. We said, no, we'll stand in the gap, mate. And he said, she had a hole in her heart. I couldn't pay for it, so it broke my heart. And I said to him, today you've stirred my heart. I want to tell you, church, God's into heart. He's into heart issues. He's into heart things. And with a stirred heart, we can fix broken hearts. Yeah? And hopefully we fix some holes in the hearts too. And uh, I've probably said enough. Yeah, okay, all right, thanks. <laughs> My house shall be for all nations. Now, Jesus quotes this passage of Scripture when he's in Jerusalem. We know that Jesus spent most of his life in Galilee, but he would, as the Holy Spirit led him, he would end up many times in Jerusalem. But on a particular trip to Jerusalem, in the temple itself, Jesus quotes this very Scripture. In Mark chapter 11, verse 15, So they came to Jerusalem. Then Jesus went into the temple and began to drive out those who bought and sold in the temple and overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold doves. And he would not allow anyone to carry wares through the temple. Then he taught, saying to them, Is it not written... Um, yeah, actually it is written in Isaiah 56, verse 6 and verse 7. Is it not written, my house shall be called a house of prayer for all nations, but you have made it a den of thieves. His father's house of prayer had become a house of plunder and purchase and possession. Merchants and merchandise took the place of mercy and missions. Greed and gain. Money and materialism, buying and selling, cheating and deceiving, thieves and thugs, profit took the place of profits. How did that happen? Did a den of thieves work themselves into the temple of God? Now, the Pharisees were just fine with the commerce and the commissions and the cold, hard cash that was gathering in their coffers. Oh, the Pharisees had no, they could not even see a problem. And of course not, because we know and understand the heart of Pharisees, Jesus and in uh, Matthew 6, or is it Luke 16, and verse 14, he's teaching that you cannot serve God and mammon. He's bringing this teaching, and he, he kind of finishes it by saying, you cannot serve God and money. And verse 14 says, but the Pharisees who loved money, 
They love money. They love money. They sneered at him. They mocked him. You know, when we think of Pharisees, because that's something you don't want to be, is a Pharisee. If you're a Christian, that's one. Man, I don't want to be a Pharisee. But one of the main marks of Pharisees, of course, is hypocrisy. But let me tell you another main mark of Pharisees. They love money. They love money. And so they were just fine with all of the commerce and everything that was taking place in the temple. But Jesus was jealous and zealous for the heart of his father's house for the temple. The New Living Translation reads it this way. When they arrived back in Jerusalem, Jesus entered the temple and began to drive out the people buying and selling animals for sacrifices. He knocked over the tables of the money changers and the chairs of those selling doves. And he stopped everyone from using the temple as a marketplace. You see, money changers were there because you could only buy animals for sacrifices with temple money. You could not use money that had an image on it, the image of Caesar. You could only buy sacrificial animals in the temple with temple currency. And so the money changers are there with all the temple currency, and everybody else comes in with the money of the day, a Roman coin worth 20 bucks or whatever, 10 bucks, silver for silver. So they would come in with a $10 silver Roman coin, but because it had an image on it, they couldn't buy an animal for sacrifice in the temple. So the money changers are there with the exact same equivalent of silver, with no image, ounce for ounce, gram for gram, exactly the same, but the money changers would charge them five or 10 times more for the same coin. And so all these money changers, and so you would come in with your $20 to buy uh, an animal uh, for sacrifice, and what, what is my $20, what will it cost me to buy the temple version? Uh, it will cost you 80. And so you'd go to the next money changer, and you say, what would it cost me? Uh, you can get it for $78 from me. And, and, and so here was these money changers, thieves. It's interesting that when John records this story, by the way, this is an incident that happens in all the Gospels. But John gives us an insight that nobody else gives us. In chapter 2 and verse 15, John says, Jesus made a whip. Uh, maybe the most unchristlike thing Christ ever did. <laughs> Jesus made a whip from some ropes, and he didn't usher them out. John says, and chased them all out of the temple and drove out 
the sheep and cattle scattered the money changers' coins all over the floor. Can you just see it? All those coins are now all over the place, all mixed up, all over the floor. He turned over their tables. And the disciples said, zeal for God's house has consumed him and eaten him up. Zeal for the nations that were being neglected in his father's house consumed him. You know, the temple had literally, literally become a flea market. And then, of course, there's this confrontation because these Pharisees love money. They love money. Who they love money. And so they asked Jesus in verse 18, what authorization do you have to do this sort of thing? If, if God gave you this kind of authority, what supernatural sign will you show to prove it? Whew, verse 19, Jesus says, destroy this temple and in three days I will raise it up. <laughs> the Jews said, it's taken 46 years for Herod. It's taken 46 years to build this temple. Longer than you have been born, son. And yet you say you will raise it in three days. But he was speaking of the temple of his body. Now, let's just shift gears. Jesus is speaking of the temple of his body. And we know that the apostle Paul writes to the Corinthians and says exactly those words to you and me. This is what Paul says, 1 Corinthians 6 and verse 19. Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? Whom you have from God and you are not your own? Your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. He emphasizes this further to the Corinthians in, in chapter 3 and verse 9 when he says, we are God's fellow workers, you are God's field, you are God's building. The message says, or to put it another way, you are God's house. And we already know what God calls his house. A house of prayer for all nations. You may call his house Robert or Reg. You may call his house Nara Lee or Nadine. But he calls his house a house of supplications 
for nations. But are we? Are we really? Is it possible that my temple could also become a den of thieves? Is it possible that merchandise and materialism could rob me of my mission in this great commission? Is it possible that avarice and covetousness could set up tables in my house? And that buying and selling would become the big part of the big priority of who I am and my life? Could I possibly allow this house of prayer to become a den of thieves? Jesus said, In Matthew 24 and verse 43, but know this, that if the master of the house had known what hour the thief would come, he would have watched and not allowed his house to be broken into. Has my house been broken into? Am I watching and not allowing the thief to break in to this house of prayer for all nations? Jesus said in John 10, 10, that the thief's purpose is to steal. A thief takes something that belongs to someone else. Now, what might the thief want to steal from me? Maybe he wants to steal from me something that belongs to a child in Vietnam. You see, not everything that God gives to me is for me. Not everything that God gives to you is for you. Because there are things that God wants to give not to you, but through you. There are things that are not for me, but from me. As I am the temple, the house, the dwelling place of God in the hands and the feet of Jesus. There are things that God gives me that aren't for me, but they're for someone else. You know, the first time I ever heard Pastor Bayless Conley preach, we love Pastor Bayless and Janet Conley. They've been dear friends of ours for decades. We've had the privilege of being in their beautiful church there in California, Bayless has been here with us. He's done missions conferences for us through the years. But the first time I ever heard a very young Bayless Conley preach was at an early Hillsong conference years ago, and he was preaching on missions. And he was preaching from this passage of Scripture in James chapter 5 and verse 4. 
For listen, hear the cries of the field workers, the field workers whom you have cheated of their pay. We have wonderful field workers in Vietnam. You know, Kelvin and Beck Windsor, who, Rebecca Beth and her family, Rebecca grew up in this church as a little girl. And uh, she, when she was five years old, she was in our children's church. By the time she was six or seven years old, I can remember her wanting to be a missionary. Beautiful little girl. She just wanted to be a missionary. And you talk to her all through her childhood, all through her uh, teenage years, until finally, as a young adult, we as a church sent her to Vietnam. And she worked there with Paul and Debbie Hilton. And just we supported her. We sent her. I mean, from a baby in the house, she wanted to be a missionary in Vietnam. So we, we sent her. And then she was there, and she met Kelvin, and they got married in Melbourne and went back. And now, for well over a decade, they are the most amazing field workers in Vietnam. Yeah. And we have field workers in Bakavu. Dr. Sothin and his beautiful wife, Batoko. God has blessed this house with field workers that are out in those fields working. And here we are at home praying and supplicating and supplying. And, but here's what Pastor Bayless preached. Hear the cries of the field workers whom you have cheated of their pay. The cries of those who harvest your fields have reached the ears of the Lord of, army, the, of, the Lord of hosts, of, of heaven's armies. Pastor Bayless said that these field workers and harvesters are missionaries whose wages have not reached them. And I remember the illustration. He pulled out his wallet, and he said it was like money that cried out that hadn't been sent yet, that hadn't been released yet, that didn't go where God intended it to go. And he'd open his wallet, and he'd go, ah! And he'd close the wallet. And he'd walk around preaching and every now and then he'd open his wall. Ah! He's, he's trying to silence the cries. What would keep me from giving it or sending it or sharing it? Maybe a den of thieves subtly breaking into my house and making my life about gaining and obtaining and buying and selling and not giving and living as a house of prayer for all nations. So how do I keep that from happening? How do I install a security system in the temple of God? How do I get cameras monitored? How do I watch that the thief does not break into this house and take something that belongs to someone else? How do I keep the thieves out? Jesus shows us how. In Luke chapter 12, in verse 33. Jesus says, give. Give to those in need. This 
will store up treasure for you in heaven, and the purses of heaven never get old or develop holes. Your treasure will be safe. No thief can steal it if you give it. Give it. And it's safe. No thief can steal it if you give it to the poor, to those in need. How do I safeguard the treasure in the temple? How do I keep the temple from becoming a place of commerce in my whole life about stuff and How do I keep my heart from becoming a place like a den for thieves? Jesus said to give to those in need and no thief can steal it from you. I have to tell you that the moment I get this sense of greed and gain, the very, the very, I know the thing I have to do, it's like I've got the camera just went on. It's like the lights just came on at night and I've got a motion sensor. You need a motion sensor detector. And when that motion sensor detector wants me to become miserly and stingy and not generous, in that moment, I can stop it from happening, turn on all the lights, sign the, sound the alarm, and write a big check. And give it so that the thief doesn't get it. Somehow steal in my heart. I safeguard my heart. Jesus said, give it. And the thief can't steal it. Now, could I have our team please return? I'm just about ready to close, but I want to share one more thought with you before I finish. My body is the temple. My body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. My body is a temple, but I'm not the deity. My body is a temple. But I'm not the deity. I don't know if you've ever been to Bali. Every, every Aussie I know loves to go to Bali, including me. If you've ever been in outside of, you know, Kuta, and you get around into some of those places, temples are everywhere. Temples are everywhere. You go in every temple, there's a deity. My body's a temple. Your body's a temple. But I am not the deity. I am not Lord of this temple. I bow my knee to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit and that you are not your own? I'm telling you, if you want longevity in your Christian life, if you want to be serving Jesus decade after decade, you need to let the revelation of this truth come to you. I am not my own. Whatever happens to me, whatever comes to me, it is what it is, but I am not my own. Christ reigns in me, and I bow my knee to him and his lordship 
This is his house. This is his building. This is his dwelling. This is his abode. And it is no longer I that live, but Christ that lives in me. And the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. We are not the deity. We're the temple. He is God. And we are not. And this is his house. And he's named his house. He's called his house. He's put a plaque right near the door in the entrance of this house. House of prayer for all nations. Stand with me, would you please? Heavenly Father, I can't believe how easy it is for me to become like a Pharisee. I get so disappointed with myself when I think of how easily I can live a life of buying and selling money, gain as a priority. Lord, I pray you would never ever allow me to love money. Let me use money. Let me make money. Let me let, let, let me be uh, your hands and your feet, but Lord, let me not love money. Let me not love the world or the things that are in it because there's so much you've called me to and there's such a distraction with all of this den of thieves and all of this world and materialism and all of this stuff, God, please deliver me, deliver us, keep our church pure, keep our church, let our church not become a flea market. Let our church be this place of intercessions, Lord. Let, it, let this church be a place of supplications for nations, Lord, where we supply. And, Lord, where we, we stop the thief cold, the alarms go off, because we give it so that he can't steal it. And I want to thank you for 80 boys and girls in Vietnam, but I pray, Lord, before it's all over with, that number would be several times more than 80. And all over the world, the things we're doing, the things we're part of, please protect Imaginations Church. Please guard Imaginations Church. Please cover Imaginations Church. And let us never drop the priority that you have placed on this house and on this people here in the western suburbs of Sydney. Please keep us from the vanity, the vanity of temple pursuits. Please, Father, Holy Spirit, guard our church cover our church protect our church keep our church broken keep our church on our knees broken before you that lord we live to give we live to give we share we bless we care and father we will be who you said we are a house of prayer for nations i ask this in jesus name amen